All right, James 5, 16. James chapter 5. Getting close to the end of this, this letter. We'll read 16 to 18. James writes, Confess your faults one to another and pray one for another. I'm sorry, let me start over again. Confess your faults one to another and pray one for another that ye may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Elias, or Elijah, was a man subject to like passions as we are, and he prayed earnestly that it might not rain. And it rained not on the earth by the space of three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth brought forth her fruit. Let's pray. O merciful Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have allowed us, I know just a few because of the flooding, Lord, but I thank you that you've brought a few out. Oh God, what a joy it is to meet with thy people. Lord, I pray now for their journey home, even before, Lord, in the weather. But Father, we're thankful to be here. I pray that you would meet with us. I pray that you would speak to us. Father, we're so thankful that you're faithful. Father, your, your loving kindness is it's matchless, Father. Your mercy is in the heavens. Your faithfulness reaches unto the clouds. Father, we thank you for your great love. Lord, forgive us for our sins. Father, forgive us when we don't believe you. Father, help us this night, O oh God, to receive the blessing that you've prepared for us. And we'll give you the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, in, our chat, in, in the text here, James gives a spiritual prerequisite to our prayers that would help our prayers to be effective to be effectual and to be powerful with God. I bring you back to Jacob in Genesis. Um, the angel told God that he had prevailed with God. And beloved, that's what I believe James is teaching us here. There's a qualification here. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. What's the qualification of a righteous man? But the prerequisite is first. And that prerequisite is humility. You might look down there at verse 16 and say, I don't see any humility there. But, and you might say there's nothing about humility here. But there is. You need to look harder and deeper. And beginning with the first three words, confess your faults. Confess your faults. Listen, if you've ever confessed truly and sincerely a fault or a sin to someone, it takes genuine humility if you would confess your sin to someone that you've hurt or someone that you've offended. When the Lord Jesus taught us to pray, he taught us to ask the Father this. It was one of the supplications, and I take Luke, 11, Luke chapter 11, verse 4. He said, forgive us for our sins, for we also forgive everyone that is indebted to us. 
Now I want you to stop here for a moment and think about this. If you know that you have committed a fault or an offense against your brother, your sister, your husband, your wife, your son or your daughter, your neighbor, your friend, if you know that you have committed a fault or an offense to offend someone, to sin against them, but you haven't put forth any effort to go and make it right, to confess that you've wronged them, here's the question. How can you come to prayer to a holy God? How can you then pray with a clear conscience? How can you come to God and pour out your soul when you know that you have offended someone, when you know that you've committed a fault against them, when you know you've done something, or when you maybe think you've done something? How can you or I pray with a clear conscience or even confess our sins to God? Lord, I confess my sins unto thee. And yet you won't go and get things right with someone perhaps that you have offended. How difficult would it be to confess our sins to God when we haven't done what we know is right in the sight of God to reconcile things with our brother or our sister in Christ. Remember this whole section in James chapter 5 is about prayer. It starts in verse 13, goes to verse 18. It's all about praying. James is teaching each of us before you come to our Father, before you go to the Father and pray, first go to the one that you offended and confess your faults to them. Ask them for forgiveness. Listen, that takes some heart searching. How often do we offend someone and we just we don't worry about it. We just let them go and they're hurt. That's how grudges start. James talks about that, grudge not. How many past things, faults, sins are smoldering within someone toward us because we didn't do the Christian thing and go back and confess that we had sinned against them. Listen, if you aren't confessing your faults and sins to one another, you're in all likelihood either refusing to acknowledge that you sinned. Listen, if somebody tells you, you know, you might have offended so-and-so, the last thing you want to say is, now, the first thing you want to do is say, maybe I did. Maybe I need to go and ask. Maybe I need to go and ask them. Sometimes you might go and say, hey, listen, I, I said this and I just want to confess to you I'm sorry. If I offended you, I didn't mean to offend you, or maybe you did mean to offend, and just say, listen, I shouldn't have said that. It wasn't the Christ-like thing to do. And then you've cleared your conscience before God, and you've said, hey, I'm sorry about this. So either you're refusing to acknowledge it, or some folks are just hard. I don't care if I offended them. You've heard people say that? I have. Maybe not Christians shouldn't say that, but there are folks in the world, they don't care if they offended you. And some, perhaps, maybe even that do profess that they're Christians. Remember what the Lord Jesus taught us in the Sermon on the Mount. Go to Matthew chapter 5 and verse 21. In the Sermon on the Mount, you should remember this. Matthew 5 and verse 21. Jesus said, Ye have heard that it was said by them of old time, Thou shalt not kill and whosoever shall kill shall be in danger of the judgment. 
But I say unto you that whosoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. And whosoever shall say to his brother, Raka, it's an expression of contempt towards someone. It's evil speaking. It's speaking evil of someone, degrading them. He said, if anyone say to his brother, Raka, it actually means that you're a worthless person shall be in danger of the council, but whosoever shall say thou fool shall be in danger of hell fire. Then Jesus says, therefore, if thou bring thy gift to the altar, if you come to worship, or let me just say if you come to pray, and when you get there, you remember that thy brother hath aught against thee, stop, leave there thy gift before the altar, don't pray. Don't go into your Bible yet. But go thy way first and be reconciled to thy brother and then come and pray. Then come offer your gift. Then open your Bible and then God will speak to you. When was the last time God convicted you of an offense or a sin against your brother, your sister, your friend, and you stopped praying to pick up the phone maybe or to go find them and to confess your fault to them? Or when was the last time you stopped your Bible devotions to do the same until you went and made sure that you confessed your fault to them and asked them to forgive you? And I go back to what I said in the beginning the prerequisite to effectual, fervent prayer, earnest prayer, is humility. Because, listen, if you would confess your fault, truly confess your faults one to another, if we would confess to one another that we've sinned, that takes genuine humility. Not just, hey, I'm sorry, but heartfelt and sincere confession. Listen, praying to God should have a sanctifying effect on our lives. Prayer should not... And listen, sometimes folks will come and I think of the, the bitter fountain and the sweet fountain in the book of James. Does the fountain send forth at the same place sweet water and bitter? So someone can be disparaging someone, speaking evil of them, drumming them down, or whatever you want to call it, insulting them, backbiting them, and then, hey, we got to go to a prayer meeting. How do you pray after doing that? But listen, praying to God our Father, my brethren, should have a sanctifying effect on each of us. We ought to consider who we're going before to pray. And if anything will stop you from praying effectually, fervently, and earnestly, it'll be sin, harboring sin. Praying, or let me say attempting to pray while holding or harboring sin in your heart towards someone else. Psalm 66, 18, the psalmist said, If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. And so it's very important, beloved, that we go to the Lord in prayer with hearts that are right with God. So first, confess your faults one to another. And then pray for one another that ye and they may be healed. 
Listen, after you confess your faults, and listen, sometimes that doesn't go well. Sometimes you'll go confess and maybe there might be some strife. You, get, you go do the right thing. Confess your fault to them. And then after that, James says, pray for them. Listen, one of the best things you can do for a brother or sister in Christ or for a friend or a neighbor is to not speak evil of them. It's to not hold a grudge against them or hate them in your heart, but to pray for them that they might be healed. And I think the application here could be spiritually or physically. Then, beloved, when you have confessed your faults to your offended brother or sister or friend, and listen, there's going to be times when we do offend. In fact, James chapter 3, it opens up. In many things we offend all. In other words, um, if you get back to James chapter 3, uh, James, and in the beginning of chapter 3, verse 2, in many things we offend all. How? By speaking. If any man offend not in word, the same is a perfect man and able to bridle the whole body. Most often if you commit a fault against someone and you hurt their feelings or you offend them, it's going to be by something that you said. But when you have confessed your faults to your offended brother, sister, or friend, when you have and when you have begun to pray for them, then your spirit will be unburdened of that sin, which would grieve the Spirit of God and hinder you from praying with force and with power. Have you ever felt like your prayers are just powerless? Like you've prayed and it's just nothing? You, you pray without heart? Beloved, that's not how we ought to be praying. James says the effectual, fervent, effectual and fervent is actually one Greek word. It's the word energio. means operative, means a prayer that works, means a prayer with force, means a prayer with power, means a prayer that moves God. I've heard people say prayer doesn't change things. Tell you what, prayer moves God. Prayer moves God. Don't ever think it does. Or don't ever think it doesn't. It does. Just ask me. God just answered a profound prayer for my wife and I. And I know that we weren't the only ones that prayed for that. You say you think that that was from praying? I, I, absolutely, I do. I do. God saved your son because you prayed? Yes, I think that's what happened. How does that fit into sovereignty? I don't know, and I don't really care. God heard my prayer. And I'm thankful. The effectual, fervent prayers. Listen, I had a problem with that, even thinking about that yesterday, trying to process this. And thinking to myself, can I call myself this man? The righteous man that prayed effectually and fervently? I don't feel worthy enough to call myself that, Lord. More like an unworthy sinner that prayed a weak and beggarly prayer that you answered but not a righteous man. I, I, it, listen, I know it is me, and I know that that righteousness is not mine. And so it's all of thee. All the glory goes to our Lord. But beloved, when we harbor sin in our hearts, listen, I want all of us to pray effectually, fervently. I want us to pray with a working power or force as it means before God so that we might move the heart of God to hear our prayers and answer them. 
John says, and this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. I am assured that God has heard our prayers, heard my prayers. That's all I kept saying last night before I went to sleep. To myself, I said, you heard my prayer, Lord. You heard my prayer. In the scriptures, prayer is likened to wrestling, to pouring out your soul before the Lord, to agonizing, and then this, to continually coming to God with an importunity and shameless insistence that would irritate any of us. And we see that in the parable of the unjust judge. Look at just a few. Genesis 32. This is Jacob wrestling with God. Genesis chapter 32. I love this passage because of the first five words. And Jacob was left alone. Listen, if you would seek God in prayer it, yes, you ought to pray throughout your day. And yes, you can pray on the fly. Yes, you can pray when you're driving. Yes, you can pray when you're working. But you know what? You need to pray alone. You need to have time to pray alone. Jacob was left alone. And there wrestled a man with him until the breaking of the day. It was a wrestling. And Jacob would not relent. He would not, he would not stop. It says in verse 25, and when he saw that he prevailed not against him, that is, the angel didn't prevail, he touched the hollow of Jacob's thigh, and the hollow of Jacob's thigh was out of joint. And he wrestled with him. So what did he do? He weakened Jacob. He weakened him. But when Jacob was weakened, he just got stronger. God makes us stronger in our times of weakness. He said, let me go, the angel said, for the day breaketh. And he said, I will not let thee go, except thou bless me. Beloved, that needs to be our prayers. Our prayers, needs, need, we need to be as insistent in praying. Does it make me special? No, beloved, it doesn't. It doesn't make me special. It makes us all special that God will hear our prayers, beloved. Luke 11 and verse 5. Luke 11 and verse 5. The book of Luke. The gospel of St. Luke. Chapter 11 and verse 5. Of course, this is after the Lord taught his disciples to pray. In verse 5, it says... He said, which of you have a, shall have a friend and go unto him at midnight and say unto him, friend, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine in his journey has come and I have nothing to set before him. And he from within shall answer and say, trouble me not, the door is now shut and my children are with me in bed. I cannot rise and give thee. I say unto you, though he will not rise and give him because he is his friend, yet because of his Shameless insistence, his importunity, he will rise and give him as much as he needeth. And I say unto you, ask and it shall be given you. 
Seek and ye shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth. And to him that knocketh it shall be opened. If a son ask bread of any of you that is a father, will he give him a stone? If he ask a fish, will he give him a serpent? Or if he shall ask an egg, will he give him a scorpion? We know the answer to those questions. No. If ye being evil know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit, or he says good gifts in Matthew to them that ask him? Beloved, we need to pray with importunity. We need to pray incessantly. Luke 18, just turn over a few pages. And listen, the bottom line, I think James wrote those things in the beginning of verse 16, confessing your faults one to another and praying for one another that you might be healed. I think before that, when he talks about grudging one another, in chapter 4 and verse 11, he talks about speaking evil of one another. I think when we grieve the Spirit of God in our hearts and we harbor sin, we carry sin in our hearts, I think it hinders our prayers. It hinders us from praying. It's like our father is saying, how can you come to me and ask for forgiveness when you won't go confess your faults to your brother or sister in Christ, when you don't forgive them? It takes heart searching, beloved. Luke 18, he taught that parable that men ought always to pray and not to faint. And then it's the passage about the unjust judge and the widow that went to him and said, Avenge me of my adversary. Look at verse 5. She was aggravating him constantly. And he said, Yet because this widow troubleth me. He says, I don't care about her, but she's troubling me. Therefore, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she weary me. And the Lord said, Hear what the unjust judge saith. And shall not God avenge his own elect, which cried day and night unto him? Though he bear long with them, beloved, we know that he will. But to that thought of harboring sin in our hearts and praying with sin in our hearts, turn to the Proverbs. Let me just show you a few passages here. And then we'll be done. Proverbs chapter 15 and verse 8. Solomon writes, the sacrifice of the wicked is an abomination to the Lord, but the prayer of the upright is his delight. The prayer of the upright, the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much with God, beloved. Look at the same chapter, verse 29. The Lord is far from the wicked, but he heareth the prayer of the righteous. Do, do we believe that? Do I believe that he hears my prayers? It ought to comfort us, beloved, knowing that God hears our prayers. Verse 27 of Proverbs 21. Chapter 21, Proverbs. The sacrifice of the wicked is abomination. How much more when he bringeth it with a wicked mind? So the sacrifice of the wicked is abomination. Back to James. Back to James. 
Listen, effectual, fervent prayer, every single time that we pray, it should have a sanctifying effect on our hearts and lives. When we ask God if we've sinned against a brother or sister, God's going to be faithful and He's going to tell you. He'll reveal it to you. Notice in verse 17 and 18, and I'll close, this is the example that that James uses. It's the prophet Elijah. Elijah was a man subject to like passions as we are. He was affected with feelings like us, every one of us. He was oppressed. He was persecuted. He got depressed. Every feeling that you feel, so did Elijah the prophet. He was a man subject to like passions as we are. And he prayed earnestly. You know what that means, those two words? It means he prayed in praying. He prayed in praying. He prayed earnestly that it might not rain. And it rained not on the earth by the space of three years and six months. And he prayed again. And the heaven gave rain and the earth brought forth her fruit. Do you remember that story when he prayed and it gave its rain again? You remember what he did? He prayed seven times. Remember he prayed and he continued to pray. He prayed earnestly and the earth gave forth her rain. Beloved, all I can tell you is keep praying. Pray without ceasing. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. It has force. It has power with God. God is a God. He is our God. He is our Father. He has taught us to pray. And God will answer our prayers. Beloved, we need to continue to pray. We need to continue to pray. Let's dismiss. Lord, we thank you for your kindness, your grace. Lord, your, your great love. We thank you for your great salvation. Father, I thank you for the work that you've done in saving our son. Oh Lord, his wife. Father, I pray that you would help them and bless them. Lord, I pray that you would cover them under the shadow of thy wings and that you would help them now, Father, as they begin to walk by faith in Jesus Christ. Help them, Lord. Father, I pray for our church. Lord, I pray that we, every one of us, would be a people of effectual, fervent prayer. I pray we would, we, would, we would find our time alone each day to pray. And Father, that we would have a prayer relationship with Thee. I pray that we would be sincere with Thee. I pray that we would be honest with Thee. I pray that we would not come to You and to think to approach Your throne with sin in our hearts, O oh God. O oh God, help us to come with clear minds, with clear consciences. O oh Lord, if, if we must, help us to leave our gift at the altar and go be reconciled to the one we've offended and then come back. Father, please help your people. Help us all, Father. Help us, Lord, as we continue to to walk our Christian life in this pilgrimage, in this 
in this lost and dying world. But Father, help us to trust you and know that you will hear our prayers and you will answer our prayers, Father, according to your perfect will. And we'll give you the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.